What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, divers? I know it's been a long time. I promise there's a method to my madness. I have been wanting to release a podcast talking about the 30 guys that catch my eye. uh, Talking about dynasty, fantasy football, buys because they're either undervalued or they're being slept on or whatever word or verbiage you like to use. But I haven't been able to because I've been in a live draft that I just started, a dynasty league I've just started. Some of you are probably in it that are listening. I've got one of the people that are in it across the table from me. Trent is back. And I wanted to, you know, keep my opinion to myself so that people don't snipe me during the draft (laughs) because, you know, maybe they like the player too. And now that they know I want the player, they'll be like, ah, he's probably looking at that guy right now. Let me take him around early. So I was just trying to avoid that because it's a... We all bought in for four years, so it's going to be a really good good league. I'm excited for it. I really enjoy everybody that's in there. But anyways, now that that draft is pretty much over, we could talk about our buy lows. Me and Trent are going to go back and forth. You guys know we disagree on stuff. So yep. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you start, Trent. Glad to have you back, first off. Second off, who is uh, a guy you think is being highly undervalued in Dynasty right now? Well, it's good to be back. I... Uh... Couldn't imagine doing another league with uh, anybody else, so I'll look forward to going back-to-back in this year's uh, Fantasy League, but there's a lot of good teams, so it should be fun. Uh, But to answer your question, I would say off the rip, somebody that I feel like, while is kind of one of those rares, um, overrated and underrated at the exact same time. That doesn't make sense. Uh, But let me explain. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, and that guy's going to be uh christian kirk i think he's He's on my list i think he's overrated because his contract you only hear negative things when people bring his name up in conversations and when you're constantly getting bombarded with he's overpaid uh he reset the wide receiver market he's the region aj brown is no longer a titans uh wide receiver um all this and that tyree kill is no longer a chief because of him and while those are all true the bottom line is the man got paid to be a number one and whether if he's a real number one is not really the question it's a matter of what did they ask him to do and what did they pay him to do and he's gonna get paid he's getting paid like a guy who's probably gonna demand on the low end 120 targets at least uh 100 we'll let's settle at 100 we have no idea what that offense is gonna look like i agree with you i think Kirk is one too but i think uh, 120 is pushing it that okay, that is okay. I I can agree, but the reason I say that is no DJ Chark. Uh, the only other wide receiver of note is uh, Marvin, a thirty-two-year-old Marvin. No, Jones. there's another one. You're and, forgetting uh, about him. That's okay. We'll talk about him in a second. I guess ETN will get it, but uh, Kirk is uh, gonna for where you'll probably find him available in your league. Um, just know he's gonna put up at least a thousand yards and maybe look forward towards uh, seven touchdowns, which is. I think those numbers uh, people don't associate with him. So I'd say Christian Kirk is a guy that's uh, kind of both. He went at the back end of the eighth round. He went 8-12 in our league. 
in our dynasty that just started. I thought that was good value. I was looking to take him in the ninth. So I do think Christian Kirk is a good one. Speaking of disrespected players, Trent Don't say is the other Jaguars wide receiver, LaVisca Chanel. Oh my God. Dude, okay. You're still on that train, huh? Bro, rookie season, one of the most efficient rookies from that loaded wide receiver class. Second season, he, just like every single other Jaguar, including James Robinson... Saw hits in every efficiency metric, and all of a sudden was bad. Well, guess who else was bad last year for the Jaguars? Literally everyone else in Trevor Lawrence's rookie year with Urban Meyer, who doesn't know what he's doing, clearly, and that's why he's already gone after one year. Culture aside, even coaching-wise, he didn't know what he was doing. So we've got LaVisca Chenault, and you know what? He's going into year three. He is a very dense, athletic, compact Yard after contact monster. And you know who he reminds me of, Trent, that everyone forgot about and year three exploded? Debo Samuel. Now, now I'm not saying, now I'm not saying that LaVisca Chanel is going to be Debo Samuel, but I am saying that the possibility exists that he will be 60% of what Debo just did. Debo was just, what was he, like wide receiver three? Well, he was right. he had to be like top yeah. three or top five, yeah. and everybody's like drooling over him now. If Lavisca gets a hundred ish targets and three four carries a game, he could be. And the offense takes a step forward, and his efficiency goes back to what it was his rookie year. He could be easily a top thirty fantasy wide receiver. Right now, he's being drafted. Actually, he's not being drafted in like regular leagues. In dynasty leagues, he's probably. Let me see where I got him. And I know I reached for him because I, I do like LaVisca a lot. I reached for him and I took him at, let's see, where is it? Give me one second. Oh, of course, it's in it's in a spot that I traded. Of course, here it is. I got him in the 10th round, the back of the 10th, almost the 11th round. So his ADP right now in Dynasty is like 13 because I, I always, for guys that I want, I reach two rounds if I need to. So especially when we we're talking about that late. So LaVisca Chanel is another one that people need to keep their eye on. You can go ahead and laugh. But just watch. Just watch. Because he was almost a chief, by the way. And that would have been sick. But if he doesn't end up working out with the Jaguars, his second contract, somewhere else, if he gets an opportunity, he's going to show that he, he is very good. He's a very good player. He would have been a first-round wide receiver that year if he didn't get hurt. So, I admire how passionate you are in defending him. I'm not going to write him off completely. But I guess when it comes to uh, receptions and who I think is going to lead the Jags, I think uh, Kirk's going to lead or have the most receptions by a wide margin. If and then he's I think used as a deep threat, he will not. I don't think they're going to use him as a deep threat. Uh, but I think number two, I think uh, Travis Etienne will also have more receptions than LaVisca Chenault this year. So when a running back uh, who I'm betting on is going to have more receptions than the supposed wide receiver two... Obviously, that doesn't bode well for, you know, if you have any of those players in your passing offense, but I think it just more more so goes to show that schematically, I think they're going to try to get the ball in ETN's hands um, much more than they are Chenault. So, I'm not... uh, Possibly, but LaVisca Chenault is the second best wide receiver on that team. Right, but it's about, uh, I think he'll get... And they don't have a tight end. They don't have a tight end. Evan Ingram is trash, so I would say... I mean, yeah, he's going to get his targets, but I would say the pecking order is Kirk, and then it's either LaVisca or Etienne at two and three. You can argue which way you want to swap them. But if Etienne is 
is two, and he's above LaVisca, that means James Robinson, another guy that I think is being slept on, is going to pan out and be pretty good for people because right now James Robinson is being treated basically like a a straight up handcuff which he's not he's gonna be he's gonna produce some Mm, stats I agree with that and so he was the third Jaguar actually it's funny we're talking about I have 30 guys on my list three of them are Jaguars and sometimes that's what happens when you have horrible coaching no leadership and a team with a bunch of young guys yeah. There's actually potential there that's just unrealized. And hopefully it'll get realized this year or, or maybe next year, second year, with Doug Peterson and Trevor. But James Robinson's also going to be a free agent after this year. So, And he's only 24, 23 or 24. Right. He doesn't have a whole bunch of tread off his tires. He's still got some tread right. there. So I always mess up that saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so James Robinson is another one because he could easily be a free agent next year and land somewhere that they're not going to have to pay him that much, especially if he's not used as a bell cow this year in combo with ETN. So he'll be a affordable contract, and then he could get a lot of carries. I think he walks. Uh, I think he does. Too. I think he walks just because he'll get more opportunity, and that's why he's undervalued because he walks and he'll be in a better situation. I'll say in a, in in. Uh... His value defense, though, the Jags are going to be one of the more run-heavy offenses in the NFL, especially with uh, Peterson at the helm. So it does bode well for a Jacksonville running back. And uh, don't be surprised if ETN has a top-10 uh, running back season. And That's uh, going to depend on his receiving usage. And, I, and don't be surprised if Christian Kirk also ends in the top 18. True. It could happen. If if Kirk and Etienne, though, are both that high, that means pretty much everybody else is nothing. It, well, and it's the Jags' offense, so I'm not expecting a whole lot. Yeah. Okay, so I I basically threw out two after you threw out Kirk, so you go ahead and throw out another one. So um, this one, I really had to go deep in my bag to really find a guy that I feel like people aren't really looking into as much as they should. And um, if he's available towards the end of your draft... Uh, go for uh, Robert Tunyon. I think when you look at the Packers and how Devontae Adams had 170 targets last year and how heavily Aaron Rodgers targeted him in the red zone, which was by far, uh, if it wasn't number one, I know it was top five for wide receiver quarterback red zone targets. Um, You kind of look at his, a lot of people love to point out to his season two years ago, where he, uh, I think, was a Pro Bowl alternate and had 11 receiving touchdowns. And people mm-hmm. kind of point that out as a anomaly, which maybe if Devontae Adams was still there, I would tend to agree with that. But I think we're going to see a very different Packers offense, and it's going to be very run-heavy. Uh, but also, Tanyan is going to be one of the top two, uh, I would say, beneficiaries of Devontae Adams' absence being felt, and the other one being probably Christian Watson. Um, but who knows? I, I think they have, uh, they're probably the biggest question mark wide receiver room in the NFL. But uh, don't be surprised if Tanyan goes for 750 and maybe has 11, 12 touchdowns and really vaults himself into and or has himself a top five tight end season i'm not I, th- I think it's unlikely for top five but i think top 10 is i, would I mean go ahead and lock could, it in if he comes in at four or five that's definitely definitely possible i mean we see it's usually the top three tight ends and then four and five is is it's so far shoot. yeah so far from the pack of the top yeah three. i could see that and i actually agree with that one he wasn't a name that i had down because i have so many names but i do agree 
once you threw out the stat of like maybe 750 yards, then I was on board with you. Yeah. I was scared you were going to go too far to like, he's going to be a target reception monster because usually when a wide receiver leaves and there's a lot of targets available, it doesn't go to the tight end. But the red zone looks probably will have to go to at least some of them to Tunyon. So I agree with that. I like Tunyon a lot. You got another one for me? Yeah. And then I would say um, a guy that I feel like a lot of people have forgotten about is, um, and I'm... I I'm, I I don't want to say I'm hesitant when I say this, but I really think people are truly disrespecting David Montgomery. I I it was probably one of the biggest Matt Nagy haters out there, and I think um, while they're talent starved on offense for sure, I really believe in uh, Eberflus um, and what he was able to do with the Colts offense the past couple of years. Uh, which arguably, besides a good offensive line and a running back, didn't have a lot going on, but they were more or less perennial, you know, top 14 team and had their hot streaks as well. I think David Robinson, if you really break down his numbers, um, he gets the volume, which is the most important thing. David Montgomery, he gets the volume. And, you know, when it comes to running backs, especially running backs that are more so used in the run game than they are a pass threat, which is kind of, Montgomery's thing he had uh at what point do you think he's like actually undervalued though because he he's being drafted in dynasties like RB16 like, like who are you who I feel like he very well he could have an above? RB I feel like he very well could have an RB10 season and people are viewing him as an RB16 through 18 and no, I but think... they're they're viewing him that way for dynasty because he's 25 they're not viewing him that way for this year I don't think if you're talking about redraft I got you but Dynasty, do you think, I mean, are you going to take him over Saquon? Are you going to take him over J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers? Those are the guys that are going above him because right. they're, they're a lot younger. So. I, no, and, I, and I, I get that. I get that. I'm, But I'm more so talking about he's he's every year he's been in the league, he's gotten over 220 touches, and he seems to be the, and when I say premier back, he's he doesn't put up premier numbers, but he is a uh, workhorse back, and he gets the volume. And I think with the new offensive coach in there, uh, if he remains healthy, which I know last year he kind of got banged up a little bit, I think David Montgomery could have a uh, not only a top 10 season, but um, if you're going dynasty, if he's around, I don't know, I would say, what was he picked in our league? He was picked at the back of the fifth. I, I think that's great value, but if he, like I said, I, I really do believe he has rb10 potential and if someone would have snagged him in the middle of the fourth uh, i don't think that would have been a terrible pick by any means okay so if we're talking about since we're talking about running backs i'm going to talk about one that i was very upset didn't get to me and he i barely barely missed out on him literally by one pick and it was clyde edwards hilaire and he was picked two rounds later Mm. after david montgomery clyde right now let's play a game how old do you think he is 23. Okay, good job. Yeah, he's 23. Okay. So oh, wow, really? Yeah. Okay, nice. So, so he's 23, right? He was, is a first-round running back. Mm-hmm. He's got pedigree. He comes from a high-powered offense in LSU, and he has been misused. I don't understand. It, it. I do not understand why the Chiefs drafted Clyde over Cam Akers, over Jonathan Taylor, over J.K. Dobbins, if they're not going to throw him the ball. That made I agree. that that pick made no sense. If you 100%. were going to use him the way you're using him, they should have just drafted somebody else, like DeAndre Swift even, 
And he's he has the receiving chops too, but he's a better runner. So I don't understand why they drafted him. I will say this though. Tyreek is leaving somewhere around 160 targets on the table. And what we usually see is when wide receiver targets are left vacant, they go to either a wide receiver or a running back. A lot of times when there's a lack of talent in the wide receiver department, it goes to the running back, which is one reason I think Aaron Jones for redraft is going to be sick this year. Absolutely sick. He might be top four in receptions for running backs. I'm counting on it. I got him. (laughs) Yeah. And so Clyde is 23 years old. He is two years away from being out of Kansas City. And it's possible he gets a whole bunch of receptions now. Plus, if Ronald Jones fumbles once or twice, which Ronald Jones is definitely a better runner. He's definitely a better runner than Clyde. But if he does fumble a couple of times and Andy Reid is frustrated by it like Bruce Arians would and and stops giving Ronald Jones touches, all those guys that were pescering, is, I don't know if that's the right word, but like just bothering Clyde and like nipping at his heels for touches, all those guys are gone. It's him and Rojo. So if Rojo is fumbling and then they're getting frustrated with that, and Rojo's not a great pass blocker either, which is part of the reason Clyde was off the field for passing downs because he's not a great pass blocker. Well, he's probably just as good as Ronald Jones. So it's possible that Clyde could end up getting still 12 to 14 carries. Probably not, but it's possible. And then all of a sudden he's getting six receptions or five receptions a game. Could you say? And so I think Clyde is being undervalued. Plus... You're getting him in like the seventh round, the seventh round of dynasty football. He was a rookie and he went in the first round, first and top of the second round in dynasty fantasy football drafts. Kind of hard to believe. Literally two yeah, years ago, when you put it like that, it's definitely sounds now, hard to believe. And now he's in the seventh round and he's still only 23. He could be on a new team when he's 25, and I guarantee you this: whatever team he goes to in free agency, if he leaves Kansas City, is going to throw him the ball. He really kind of reminds me of. Uh... And maybe Giovanni Bernard is a little bit bigger than him, but that whole kind of same, uh, you know, was Giovanni Bernard at one point first round draft pick. Uh, I feel like the Bengals gave him the ball more to rush than the Chiefs do Edwards Hilaire. But I feel like, uh, don't be surprised. I think um, his game has longevity. And I think uh, we'll be seeing uh, 33-year-old Clyde Edwards Hilaire become one of those uh, older pass catch running backs in the league, similar to James White who uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but yeah. at Wisconsin, James White was that guy. He was a run runner first m- much much before he was known as a pass catcher. So I think his game is timeless, and uh, he benefits a lot being in the Chiefs offense while also being hindered because the Chiefs, for whatever reason, um, their run game just isn't really there, and they're not really cranking out 100-yard rushing games as much as you would probably they're think when it comes to an elite offense. And like they're them. probably going to have to now, though, because with Tyreek gone and him not taking the top off the defense, yeah. and Kelsey being a middle-of-the-field guy, Juju is a middle-short-field guy, and then everyone that might stretch the defense is brand new to the team and exactly. might lack chemistry or understanding of the playbook, it's very possible that they're very, very easy to just not worry about getting beaten over the top anymore and just stack the box or just cover Kelsey, double Kelsey, all of a sudden you're going to have to establish a run game. You yeah, can't just and don't forget, they do have a uh, top 10 offensive line. I do really they? like. Do they I would, uh Creed Humphrey at center. I know he got a lot of looks uh, for the Pro Bowl. And while the Pro Bowl doesn't mean a lot, and I don't want to put too much stock into that, um, it, it means you're at the, for whatever it is, you're not bad. 
you're not bad. You're probably overrated, potentially, yes, but you're not bad at it. And then you have Orlando Brown uh, Jr. holding down the bookend. Uh, I definitely think their offensive line is... Um, Getting better from what it was in the Super Bowl. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. That, I think oh, it's course, there's yeah. several starters difference. Oh, and they have the New England Patriots uh, guard who was also signed with them in oh, free yes, agency. Yes, yes. So I that's at least that. uh, three of five, and I'm drawing a blank on the other two. But, you know, they're definitely not bottom ten by any means. So uh, hopefully uh, Andy Reid, uh, since he's been given credit for his whole career as being some type of offensive guru, I think he's overrated. I think he's a great coach. I still think he's overrated because people uh, put him not in the same breath as Belichick. Nobody does that. But I think when you think top five coaches, I feel like people immediately go Andy Reid when there's a lot of people who don't get top five consideration, like Mike Tomlin, who I think is arguably a top five head coach, and he's been a top five head coach for a while yeah. now. So. Well, piggybacking off your improvement in offensive line, we're going to go to the Bengals, where I yes. think Tyler Boyd is a good one. Because now T. Higgins, <sighs> yeah. T. Higgins, and I'm not saying anything crazy, but I'm saying where, where Tyler Boyd's being drafted, he's getting drafted around wide receiver 60 now. He is right. That's insane. He's in in an offense where him, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase combined for nearly sixty five percent of the targets in that offense, and Tyler Boyd is probably never going to see a top twenty four season again. But if you're getting flex value as a wide receiver, let's say you know twenty four to thirty for three four years, because he's got that. And he's never he's never gonna get taken out of a game. Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, they might go up and down. T. Higgins is the most. He's the one that goes up and down the most right. between the three of them. The most volatile for yeah, sure. Yeah, he's the most volatile for sure. But Tyler Boyd's never gonna see coverage. He's never gonna see coverage. And if he does, uh, I'll take Tyler Boyd against ninety percent of slot corners in the NFL. Yeah. So I like him beating his guy uh every single time. Basically. Yeah, and and the Bengals' offense last year, the reason... So all three wide receivers were serviceable last year. And last year, because of the recovery of Joe Burrow, and just because the passing attack didn't develop in the first half of the season the way it did in the latter half, Joe Burrow went from like 30 pass attempts per game in the first half of the season to almost 40 in the second half of the season. Now the offensive line is better. He's fully healthy. All this stuff... Second year with Jamar Chase, third year with T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd's a seasoned vet. They're going to probably air it out around 40 times a game. Their defense is not great. They didn't really bolster their defense too much in the offseason or in the draft. They focused on offensive line. And rookie season for Joe Burrow was almost 50 pass attempts a game. Almost 50. If, if I remember correctly, right. I might yeah, be exaggerating. Yeah, that's way too much. I might right? be exaggerating. Well, yeah. It might have been like 44. I think well, was... I'm just saying like it, the fact that it was around that number just yeah. goes to show. But he had like three or four games with 50. But I think his average was probably like 44 yeah. his rookie season. But it goes to show you that they're going to throw the ball. Like that was the first eight games of the season. That was an anomaly. So you're talking about Tyler Boyd who's going to get at, at worst a 16% target share in an offense that's throwing the ball probably 38 to 40 times a game that's i mean let me do some quick math uh that's nine targets <laughs> that's nine targets eight to nine targets a game so if he's getting like an 18 percent target share it's eight targets a game so that's right. that's really good in a high-powered offense so you're getting that at i don't know let me even let me see where i got him. Oh, and also uh no cj uzama as well to kind of steal targets away from his uh solidified number three uh 
target share spot uh, as a wide receiver. Yeah. So I really, uh, I was very, very close to drafting Tyler Boyd. And uh, funny enough, you, you reached out to me. And when you reached out to me for a trade, uh, it was right before I saw Tyler Boyd was still on the board. And I immediately knew who you were trying to get. But um, I saw too much. Uh, I believe, was that the same round I took? I'll check. I have it pulled up. Yeah, I want to so say. So I took, I took Tyler Boyd. I told you guys I reached two rounds high. I took Tyler Boyd at the end of the 10th round. So that means he's basically at the 12-13 turn in right. Dynasty. That means you could be stacked up. On quarterback, if it's super flex, stacked up on running back, already have your tight end, and he could be your wide receiver three. That's that's great. Yeah, it's it's hard to beat that, especially when you have an MVP caliber uh, quarterback in Burrow. It's kind of hard to see him not. I feel like worst case for Boyd, worst case is 600 yards, three touchdowns. But I feel like realistically, he's more so an 850 guy. Uh, seven touchdowns which at that uh round where you're projecting he'll go is tremendous value yeah yeah and so the guy you took right before boyd because it was going back it was going from top to bottom so um you took gasicki and then i took boyd and then you took patterson on the way back yeah i it's a tight end starved league and i think uh is i I don't think he's gonna get a thousand yards but when you can have a tight end get you uh you know, not it doesn't sound crazy if he were to get 800 yards and you know up his touchdown from last year. Uh, it was hard to pass up. Yeah, but I wanted Boyd. I did want Boyd. You did. Okay. I did want Boyd. So yeah, see, even you who has always opposed me on my Boyd takes, he's at a value even you would take him now. So absolutely, that, that's a mutual that's a mutual decision right there. Tyler Boyd's being undervalued. Okay, why don't you give me one now? Uh, so this one, I think, um, I don't see this guy's name talked enough a lot. He's He's relatively young. Well, I guess for uh, a running back, he would be middle of the pack, but he has a lot of treads on his tires, kind of going back to your James Robinson take. I'm going to go Tony Pollard. And there's several things about Tony Pollard that I absolutely love. Is One, he's grossly underutilized in the Cowboys offense, and I love the Cowboys offense. I think. Do you still? You know they lost like three starters on their O-line, and they lost Amari Cooper. Do you still love the Cowboys offense? Yes, I do. Well... Not as much as I did last year, but I I love it for Tyler, or Tony Pollard, and here's why. I think Dak Prescott is they're going to throw the ball. That's kind of who they are. That's kind of what they want Dak Prescott to. I'm not saying they want him. Well, of course they want him to be Rodgers, but you could probably argue that he throws the ball too much. But obviously that's great for fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. And I think with the year after year decline of Ezekiel Elliott. You're gonna see more, uh, like clamoring for Tony Pollard to get potentially starting reps, or maybe even go a fifty-fifty timeshare because Ezekiel Elliott's um, he's un- he's ineffective for the amount of touches that he gets, and Tyler or Tony Pollard is super effective. I don't think he's gonna produce his numbers last year, which he had 130 rushing attempts and 720 yards. That's a 5.5 yard per carry clip. That's insane. I don't think he's going to do that. I would put him probably around, if I was doing projections like I usually do every year, he'd probably be around 4.67 for me because, not 4.67, like 6 or 7, because right. of the, the offensive line getting worse and just because that efficiency is going to come down naturally. I Exactly, because that, that's a crazy efficient year. But I think because, I think you could almost argue he is either the 2 or 3 
uh, beneficiary of Amari Cooper being gone. That's true. When it comes to receptions, yep. and he's much more. The same of thing a, we said for Clyde. It still it applies to Pollard as he, well. He's he's much more. Uh, he's he's really effective as a receiving back. So don't be surprised if Tony Pollard ups his rushing attempts to say 170, 180. Still probably has, or maybe 180 is high, but I'd say. Ten a game would be one seventy. Yeah, so one seventy. Yeah, so I'd say one seventy, right? Probably put him down around seven hundred rushing yards, but best believe he's going to have five hundred receiving yards. And when you think about running backs that are getting over a thousand total yards, the list really isn't that big. And you for sure don't think of Tony Pollard when those uh, names are brought up. So I really, really like Tony Pollard for a breakout year. Oh, and by the way, it's a contract year. And you know how players like to have fluke, uh, try-hard seasons, and then get paid, and then drastically regress. Ezekiel <laughs> <laughs> Elliott. Um, so it's uh, I think it bodes well for Cowboys Nation and uh, all Tony Pollard fans. I think uh, he has a very good chance to be a, a great running back this season and potentially have an RB14 type year. I was waiting for you to do the cough because you've done that every podcast. You've done that at least once. <laughs> That's like your signature move. Okay, so I'm just going to throw this name out there. Unless you want to talk about him that much, I don't because I think it's somebody that a lot of people view as undervalued. Kadarius Tony. I feel like he's got potential to be the number one wide receiver there. And if not, he also might leave. He might go somewhere else. But he's a first-round wide receiver draft pick, which... You could argue that was a little bit high, but I loved Kadarius Tony. He, when he was getting targets, he was insane. It was just a lot of off-field stuff. If you could put the off-the-field stuff to the side and you're not worried about that, Kadarius could end up being a tremendous value if all that stuff works out. And so I think I think he's somewhere, someone that's good to take a shot on because I'm going to see if I can find where he was taken in our draft. But let me just... Let me just check real quick. Kadarius Tony in our draft, which is 12 teams, Superflex PPR was taken at 119. So that's basically the 10th round in a 12-team league. So the, the back of the 10th or, yeah, back of the 10th round. So, yeah, he's a pretty good value. I mean, he's pretty much going right where Tyler Boyd's going, or two rounds ahead because I, I reached on Tyler Boyd. But I really like him. He's barely going above Kenny Galladay. And Kenny Galladay is... What is he like? Fifty, twenty-eight. He's 20, right. He's twenty-eight right. years old, and he's, you know, not somebody that is very fast or quick or gets right. separation or anything like that. So, and he deals with injuries all the time. So I think that's a good value. Uh, Tony, I think uh, my biggest knock on him would be how uh, uncertain his future is. Which you never, that's never really a good sign when you're a recently drafted first round pick. But it is baked into his price though. True, true. And he could benefit from a change of scenery, right? But with that being said, it's not very comforting because uh, while I know they're not necessarily the exact same size, I think uh, Wandale Robinson, the second round pick out of Kentucky, um, their games are very similar. I don't know why everybody says no, that. No, 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 no. But hear me out. When it comes to explosiveness, yak potential, um, I don't think they're the exact necessarily like, oh, they're both slot, they're both that. I think Tony's more versatile than Wandale Robinson, who I think is very much limited to, um, ha- you know, slot duties. But um, 
I think when it comes to what is their purpose for the football team, I think they both serve very similar purposes for what the Giants are going to expect. I think them they to do. could, if they want to, they could use Kadarius like they use Diggs in Buffalo. Because that's the coaching staff that they have now. Brian Dable went over to take over coaching and I, duties for the and Giants. I, I like that. But also, when it comes to changing of the guard at coach, nobody's really ever safe, um, including you know Daniel Jones, Kadarius Toney. Uh, they want their guys in there. And if they're not absolutely sold or in love with him, I don't think they're going to give be as patient for the antics, which uh, Tony does a lot of, or the uh, poor play, which is what Daniel Jones is. So I think with the new regime, I wouldn't be surprised if they get rid of him for, you know, probably like a, a lesser than draft pick. So maybe like a fourth or fifth round pick. Um, but they'll probably ride with him for this year to see if he can work out. So I don't know. That's my biggest knock. New coaching regime. Uh, even though I like the ball better than uh, offensive play calling, but also Daniel Jones is still your quarterback. So, you know, his ceiling mm-hmm. is permanently capped until they get a new guy in there at QB. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, there's also a couple of people I wanted to throw out. Um, I don't know how much either of us will have to say on them, but these are your super late guys, and I got all of these people in, in our draft. Okay, so I've I got all of these wide receivers. I reached about two rounds on all of them which I don't really care. They're, they're guys that I think have potential. And we're talking about literally past round 20. Like these are super, super deep guys. Most people don't even know about them. Tylen Wallace is number one. In that rookie wide receiver class, Tylen Wallace is with the Baltimore Ravens. Marquise Brown is gone. So he could be the wide receiver too. That wide receiver two job is wide open, wide open. right now. It's, it's going to be between Tylen Wallace, James Prochet, Devin Duvernay. It's going to be one of those guys. Tylen Wallace right now I think is going to win the job. A lot of people are are hoping that it's Duvernay. He was the more recently drafted, right. I believe, and he is probably a tiny bit younger. But they're probably they might just be the same age. I'm not sure. But Tylen Wallace is I think this is his third year in the league. In his rookie wide receiver class, he came out as a top ten wide receiver for me. I hated, absolutely hated when he got drafted to Baltimore. But now he has possibly an avenue to get targets and. To, to make a name for himself, at least to become somebody that people know about. And we're literally talking about people that are almost going undrafted. So Tylen Wallace is one. He very well could have 350 to 400 yards receiving. I mean, that's like his ceiling, right? But he could, he could I would produce say, numbers. I would say his ceiling would probably be like more 600. Because you're, you're thinking Marquise Brown left right. about, what, 1,100 yards, 1,200 right. yards on the table. Which you would assume goes to Bateman. Yes, no, but, but then where do Bateman's yards go? Bateman's yard's got to go somewhere. Right. Now, exactly. now the the Baltimore is going to throw probably less with J.K. Dobbins back. They're right. Gonna, they're healthier gonna, now. Yeah. Than what they're they healthier. Their injury yeah. bug destroyed them. So they're probably going to be throwing less. There's not going to be as much exactly. passing That's volume and thinking. stuff. But for if you're talking about ceiling, you got to use that word carefully, Trent. Ceiling is much higher than 350, 400 yards. Ceiling, we're talking probably six to seven hundred. Well, I guess I base that number off of what he's done so far in his career, which is more or less nothing. So we're kind of thinking very optimistically with that 600 number you're throwing out there. But uh, yeah, at, at round 20, which is where he was taken in our league, that is a great value. And I I do like that pick. I, I looked at him, um, didn't pull the trigger, but uh, I do like that pick. So some guys in that same in the same ilk is Diami Brown. Diami yep. Brown was a wide receiver that I had rated a lot higher than other people. He is in a, qu- a crowded wide receiver room. I will say that. He's got Jahan Dotson. He's got Terry McLaurin. He's got Curtis Samuel. But 
with Carson Wentz at quarterback. Yes, but I will say this. There's two things for me. There's a lot. I don't know where this chatter is coming from, but apparently there's a lot of chatter that Terry wants to get traded. That's number one. Number two, we haven't seen Dotson yet. Right. And number three, Curtis Samuel could be leaving. He's, I mean, he's, they're, they're not tied to Curtis Samuel forever. And then the other thing that interests me is if, if, and, and actually, we don't even have to go this route. I was going to say if Carson Wentz gets benched. We don't even have to go that route because Carson gets hurt. If Carson gets hurt, guess who the quarterback is? It's going to be Taylor Heineke or Sam Howell. They just drafted Sam Howell. They've already given right. Heineke the reins for more than a full season. They clearly don't believe he's the guy. So if you drafted Howell and Carson Wentz gets hurt, why are you going to play Taylor? There's no reason to. You've already seen him. You dr- you want to see the right. guy you drafted. So you throw in Sam Howell, and guess who, guess who his stud wide receiver was in college two years ago? Deami Deami Deami. Right, right. So, there's rapport there. No, that is... There's a massive domino effect that needs to happen for that to be... Uh, Absolutely. But with that being said, though, remember, the original question is, is these are later round guys. So in that sense, uh, is that likely to happen? No. But if it does we're happen, could for, it absolutely happen? Absolutely. Yeah, and also further the down the road, um, I don't know when, where, or how, but I do believe Sam Howell will get at least one opportunity before uh, to get become a starting QB. He should get the and, opportunity. Um, he was going to be a first-round wider uh, quarterback last year. And, he and, didn't go back and play. And not to go like too far off on a tangent, but this year probably more so than, I guess, the E.J. Manuel Buffalo Bills year when he was the only quarterback taken in the first round. The amount of quarterback hype for first-round selections to what actually happened, a.k.a. Malik Willis, third round, Howell, yeah. fourth round, um... Uh, Desmond Ritter, third round. Like, a lot of guys that you... third round. Yeah, exactly. First and strong, undrafted. Exactly. Like, guys that were projected to be, you know, first and second round picks where uh, NFL teams didn't see value there. They finally, they finally did not overvalue the quarterback position. Which is about time. And nobody expected it. Because we've seen a lot of bums get paid. We've seen a lot of bums make lots of money. And uh, it's good that, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm here for it. As a Titans fan, I'm happy we got Willis in the third, I think. I think it makes sense, and I think he's going to get a legitimate shot to become the Titans QB in, uh, in two, not only this year, two years? I would say potentially after this year, because I think uh, Tannehill could be a cap hit. He can't, though. I don't, is, I don't, is he guaranteed? He can't. Y'all are tied to him for the next two years. Because if, if you cut him, unless you traded him and got somebody to pay all that well, money. Well, I think, I think the dead cap, it, I, I I guess what, to you would save myself, You would save almost no money by cutting him. Okay. But I, I think he could potentially beat him out and also Tannehill is well I don't want to call him injury prone um as we saw with Mariota he got hurt if you're if you're the guy and someone replaces you then you're going to be the guy if you perform well when someone else is injured so I mean we'll see but that's that's way down the road yeah so um, so that was uh who was that that we just that was Diami that was Diami Brown okay you got one uh yeah so a guy that I feel like um I think okay. So let me ask you this: How old to go back to you? How old is uh, Cooper Cup? Twenty nine. He's twenty eight. Okay. Okay. So I'm about to name a guy that seems like he's been in the league forever, and has produced at Mike Evans high levels. No, I'm not talking about Mike Evans. He's proven commodity. When you when you're the only wide receiver in NFL history 
to have a thousand yards every year you've played, you're you're better. His resume is better than Cub, but that's not who I'm talking about. Um, when it comes to uh, the guy I'm talking about, is a guy I think is uh, forgotten, but also the same age as Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson has become an afterthought, and people whether people he are be, just scared. I understand being scared, but 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 listen, this 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 is what I would call a championship move. When you have the opportunity, because when did he go in our league? He went on the. I'll check. I'll check. You, you okay, talk. yeah. So Allen Robinson, this is a guy that he he's been proven before. He's he's had multiple one thousand yard seasons. It's not that he's a fluke. He's been a proven red zone target. Oh, and guess what? He's debatably joining the best offense in the NFL with the, at least production-wise, best wide receiver in the NFL. So if there's Ninth any, round. If there's anybody who could have a killer bounce back year, and I think the Rams' offense and their offensive scheme and Stafford has the arm and talent to do it, they very well could have two thousand plus yard water series because we already know cooper so cup's gonna go this. for 1600 but don't be surprised if Allen robinson goes for 1200 nine touchdowns and i he's not old even though he it seems like he's been in the league forever so i really like Allen robinson i think he was drafted in the ninth round in our league i understand people being scared i understand people being skeptics but also this was the matt Nagy bears offense which was a dumpster fire of an organization during his tenure and grossly underutilized Allen Robinson. And um, I really think that he has potential top 14 wide receiver numbers-wise. Okay, so let me give you pushback on this one. All right, I'm going to give you a hard time on this one. Okay, go ahead. So let's look at the wide receivers that were drafted ahead of them. We're going to play this or that, okay? Would you rather have Allen Robinson or this wide receiver that I'm going to name? Okay, Allen Robinson or Keenan Allen? Keenan Allen, because okay. he's safer. He's okay. safer. All right. Only reason why. Allen Robinson or Devonta Smith. We're talking about Dynasty. Dynasty, Devonta Smith. Okay. Allen Robinson or Cortland Sutton. I think that's more of a toss up. Okay. Toss up than what you're like. You're trying to make it seem like no, it's I'm black not. and white. No, I'm not. I'm, I don't think it's black and white. I'm not saying that at all. I I, I could agree with Your you face if, you, said it if all. you want to say Allen <laughs> Robinson, but I'm I'm trying to show you the wide receivers that are taken right in front of him. Okay. Okay. DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, in Dynasty. Yes. And him being suspended eight uh, eight games this year, and he's also a year older than him. Uh, you would probably still take Hopkins, yes, but I don't think that says black and white either. Because okay, Hopkins Darnell is older. Mooney. Mooney. Okay. Mike Williams. Mike Williams. Brandon Cooks. Uh, I think... Okay, but here's the thing, though. No, this is no, the stop, thing. No, no, it, no, sounds no, like, it sounds like... It sounds like... Here's the thing. We're talking about projections, right? I We're know. talking about undervalued players for Dynasty. It sounds like you're valuing him exactly where he's at. I'm not. I don't think I am. I don't think I am. I think he's with, because you you I think approach his dynasty. You approach dynasty with a win now mindset. So you well, that's just you, a philosophical difference you and I have, right? Yeah, it's not necessarily the wrong way to go. About no, it. but that's what I'm saying. So you're, you're you're valuing him where he's being valued. That's what it seems like based off what I just asked you. But you you like to take him at that spot very much so because you like to be in win now mode. Now, he does have some questions, though. He was in that Matt Nagy offense for way more than one year. Last year, his, all of his efficiency metrics, separation, 
yards per target. He was also injured. Everything was horrible. Are you chalking it all up to injury? Are you or are you saying maybe he didn't try at all? Like he just gave up and stopped trying. And also, what if Odell comes back? Because I just watched a video literally this morning about oh my goodness, what's his name? Sean McVay talking about how yes yes I saw talking about how Odell Beckham better resign. If Odell resigns, who do you think? Who do you think is the number two? I think it's um, pretty obvious. Odell. Well, considering Obviously, Odell is Odell. not going to play until what what week? If he were to be able to play when he's playing, so what week thirteen? No, it wouldn't take that long. Week ten ACL recoveries or don't take that long. Okay, um, but to, in my opinion, as of now, it, well, to answer your question. Do I think injury had a lot to do with it? Yes. Do I think he gave up on his team? Yes, I do. I'm not saying he's a team guy. I'm not asking him to date my daughter. I'm asking him to produce fantasy-wise. I 100% think he gave up on his team. And guess what? That's okay. Because if there's any profession in the world where you're allowed to be selfish and truly dis or uh, voice your displeasure with your boss, it's football. And guess what? Not only will you get away with it, People will pay you more money to do it. So, you know, it's I'll give them a pass on that because while it is selfish, yes, the Rams thought highly enough to sign him to what, three years, $45 million? That seems like a somewhat decent investment into a guy that, quote-unquote, hasn't produced. And this is also Sean McVay co-signing on all these uh, free agent signings, no. by the way. So I'll take Sean McVay's eye over an incompetent head coach who no longer has a job's eye, Matt Nagy. So we can we can go that, but but going back to name some of those guys, if they both have their best seasons, if they if they're both just on their game, every wide receiver on that list that you just named, and like I said, the reason a lot of those wide receivers say Keenan Allen, do I think I already know his peak? I already know what he's gonna do. He's gonna get you ninety catches, eleven hundred yards, seven touchdowns. I like that. That's a safe pick. Safety is good. Safety and volume is good, and that's what Keenan Allen is, and he's been doing it for years. But we're talking about guys that could literally be the reason you win the league because they're not expected to blow up, and they do blow up. And that's what makes him undervalued because if he can reach his potential, which is what the Rams are paying him for, and if there's one offense, one quarterback, one coach, and he's not asked to be the guy, by the way. In Chicago, he was asked to be the guy. Um well, now he doesn't have to be the guy because Cooper Cup's the guy. So I just like his situation better um, than a lot of those other guys. Uh, well, maybe not situation's the wrong word, but I think if they all have their best seasons yet, I think hypothetically he could have more points than Keenan Allen. He could have more points than Cortland Sutton. He potentially could have more points than uh, who was the last wide receiver that you There was made? a bunch. Devonta yeah. Smith, Gabriel Devontae Davis, Smith, I think, Darnum. And now, granted, it, it also depends philosophically where you come from. And uh, this is my first dynasty league I've been a part of. So this is kind of a learning experience for me. But I also think, uh, you know, the whole point, if you win dynasty league one time, you'll forever have bragging rights with the 10 and 12 other guys that you're playing with, even if you fall off tremendously afterwards. So I'm not saying go all in, draft Tom Brady. I'm just saying, draft guys that are, yeah, sure, they're not 23, but are they going to produce? And are they going to produce for another two to three years? Yes. So I think um, if he can be what I think he can be, which is a potential 1,200-yard, nine-touchdown guy, uh, I think absolutely the 
he's undervalued. So if he if he does that this year and then he drops off and it, is never a top twenty four wide receiver again, was he worth the pick? Well, I guess it depends if you win or not. Did you win the league? Yeah. And to go back to your Odell point, Odell hasn't signed yet. So as of right now, at this point in time, Odell has not signed. And uh, I think if Odell signs, then I think I'll okay, be on. Yeah, no, I it, think it, I'll agree because his his ADP will drop by like five rounds if Odell signs. Right, but uh, that's just kind of my two cents. But I, I totally see with where you're coming from. It's very reminiscent to the Jameis Winston argument we had uh, a couple of days ago. Oh yes. Uh, well, not really, because you because basically you think that Jameis Winston is gonna have more than this year, and I think he's out after this year. That's pretty much our disagreement. Yeah. Because when we when we talked about the actual numbers, we were kind of on the same page. But if he had the numbers that we talked about, he will 100% be the Saints quarterback next year. No, that's not true. What were the numbers? Say it again so everybody knows. I think Jameis at his best, 3,800 yards, 34 touchdowns, 15 total turnovers. I think that's good enough for him to get another uh, shot to be the Saints starting quarterback. It would, and also it would be by if him they are unable, unable to get a quarterback next year. It would be their last ditch well, also, option if because he, they if he did has not the even numbers bring that, him back until like the last minute. If he has the numbers that I say no he's going to have, if he has the numbers I say he's going to have, um, they're going to make the playoffs. No, they won't. Yes, they will. They'll be very close, but... They're going to make the playoffs. May- maybe just because of how bad the NFC is all of a sudden. Maybe. They went 9-8 and eight with a tight end. Taysom Hill, by the way, is now a officially a listed as a tight end on the Saints roster. They went 9-8 and eight with a tight end as a quarterback. But you're you're kind of being a little unfair to Jameis no, Winston no, and what I'm he was not. doing pre-injury. No, I'm not. Because cause Teddy, what Teddy Bridgewater did, what Taysom Hill did, what they're going to want um, Jameis to do... Is all the same thing, so it's it's we we can't take Jameis who he is as a person. They don't him, have the talent Jameis has. Him, they can't do the same thing because they can't do what Jameis can do. But Jameis can't do what Jameis can do if he's only going to be at fifteen turnovers. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. If they Jameis will, which is what your numbers are suggesting, your number thirty eight hundred yards and thirty something touchdowns is not Jameis. Jameis is five thousand and forty with thirty interceptions. I don't think. They're going to have to throw it around the yard like they did um, when he was with the Bucks. I think they they're, they're they going to they're, they're want Jameis, and I, I made this comparison, and I stand by it the more I think about it. I think he can have a resurgence similar to Tannehill, and Tannehill was given a four-year contract with a lot of money guaranteed, and I think you could argue that Jameis Winston is for sure more talented than Tannehill, and if there's any quarterback that had the talent but necessarily didn't have the time to properly develop in the right situation, uh, let alone do it under a Hall of Fame quarterback. I think Jameis Winston greatly benefited. I think compared to, say, the guys who are going to be on the bench this year, Baker Mayfield. Um, I would take Baker before I would take Jameis. Okay, I would I would too in a dynasty, but it all depends on the situation. Baker's actually on my list. He's actually somebody I, I wanted to I talk want, about. I want Jameis Winston. Uh, I love him with the Saints because they're a stable organization and they have a lot of talented weapons uh, surrounding him. Um, and their defense is good, and I think they have a lot of veteran leadership as well. So I think if there's any situation Jameis could be in uh, a year under Drew Brees, um, he has the full 
confidence he is the QB1 for this year, at least, for the Saints, and with all the weapons that they drafted uh, and signed in the offseason. I think he's in a great position to succeed. And if they do what they ask him to do, which is not be Tampa, Jameis, just be an effective, if you can give me 250 a game with a 2.4 touchdown to interception ratio, I think that's all they want from Jameis, which is kind of similar to what my projections show. But I do think he'll have games where he goes absolutely bonkers. But he'll also have games where he only goes for 170 passing. Mm -hmm. So you're going to take that with the up and down. He's not going to be a consistent 250. There will be explosive games and there will be duds. But I think I think and at I'll this be all, point, yeah. I think at this point though, for fantasy, you're only taking Jameis as a QB two if you're loaded everywhere else, or a QB three if you're not. Which is what I did. Yeah. And I I neglected quarterbacks in my dynasty. So yeah, I don't think he has like huge huge, but he doesn't have like his upside isn't insane. No. Yeah. His upside is not insane. His yeah. upside is tier two. Yeah. And that's if he does everything right, tier yeah. two. Realistically. Yeah. Probably somewhere tier three, yeah. I so agree. I'm not I'm not mad at it. So we've already gone 52 minutes. I've got a lot of players I want to talk about. So yeah, we're gonna go ahead. So we're gonna do a second. Excuse me. We're gonna do a second episode. So thank you guys for tuning in so far. Just some quick reminders: mutual agreements, players we mutually agree upon as being undervalued: Christian Kirk, James Robinson, Robert Tunyon, Tyler Boyd, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Tiami Brown. Then we both had our own. Where, you know, we can kind of see the other person's point, And there was two that we conflicted on. LaVisca Chenault and Jameis Winston, pretty much. Jameis kind of, I mean, I, I'm i on the same page with you for, like, potential. I just don't think he'll get to, to it. Right. And you, you think it's more likely he does. So it's kind of a, fo- a small con- conflict on Jameis. But LaVisca is really just the big one that we are kind of against each other. If you guys want to notate that for, right. for after this season. Oh, see me, where we're one at. One last thing before it ends. Uh, Darnell Mooney. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about okay, him on the next gotcha, one. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to talk about him. Yeah, so, yeah, some names that you'll hear on the next one. Darnell Mooney. What are some of the other guys you're going to talk about? Actually, no, no, don't spoil Let's it. Save it, save yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He, but we'll, we're going to start the show with Darnell Mooney on the next episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for still listening, despite not putting out a pos- podcast in probably, what, like a month maybe. So, appreciate you guys. Drop a rating, drop a review. Tell a friend about the podcast. Good luck on all your Dynasty drafts and hit me up with any direct messages or comments on any social media platform that you got me on. If you got any questions, see you.